What's up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods. You guys have been begging for this interview, man. We finally got my guy, Justin Ford, on the show, man. Led the FCS in interceptions. Led the FCS in defensive touchdowns. Was an all-around outstanding player. Newcomer of the year in the big sky. And top five finish in the Buck Buchanan Award. This guy did it all up in Montana this year, man. Justin, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. So let's go way back, man. You started your career out in JUCO. Looking back, what were some of the biggest challenges getting, you know, everything started at the JUCO level of football? Um, For me personally, I'm like, there's a lot of struggles with coming with JUCO. Uh, mainly is like financially. But I would say uh, for me, like football-wise, was like really earning my coach's trust. Um, like my first season, I didn't play a lot. But, like, when I got in, like, I made enough plays to where, like, my second season following up, um, like, there was no question um, who was going to be the starting corner that year, which also led me to, like, have a great season. So um, I think just really earning my coach's trust was, like, the hardest thing for me because um, personally I felt like talent-wise I was there, but um, just, like, not getting as much opportunity as I wanted was kind of, like, frustrating. Absolutely. And so for you, you wind up at Louisville and then you decide to transfer to Montana. How different was your first recruiting process from your second recruiting process? Um, it was it was different in terms of like the type of schools I was getting. But like in terms of like recruiting, it was like both were busy. I must say like first time around, there's a lot of big schools and um, it kind of made the recruiting process kind of harder, to be honest, at a JUCO. Because um, at high school, I had, like, two offers, which was actually to Louisville and App State. But, like, it wasn't a lot of schools. So, like, coming out of JUCO, it was really my first time actually experiencing, like, having a lot of schools um, explaining their spiel to, you know, um, they got a lot of games that they will play or not play. But, like, you know, they got a, it's a business for them, too. So, like, kind of having a search and find, like, what's the perfect spot for me throughout that. It was, like, my first time going through it. So I had to understand, like, okay like what's what type of thing. And then like my second go around is kind of like straight to the point where like um, I'm more mature now and like I, I don't really go for the runaround type thing. So I just knew, which is actually how I ended up here. I found a, a great situation with an honest coaching staff. Um, and I think that's why it's worked so good for me. Man, it, it paid off in a big way when you look at this season. But, you know, you got to go back, man. We The FCS went through a lot with the COVID season and, you know, not some teams not playing, other teams only playing like three games and you guys having to play two full seasons in a year. How did you stay prepared and what was the COVID season like on yourself and the program? Um, for us personally, we only um, had two games. Um, we opted out of our – like our conference still played but we personally um, opted out of it and chose to play two. Um, one was out of conference and one was an in-conference game. So we only played two games, which honestly I thought was great. Um, at first, to be honest, when we first um, was talking about the possibility of the season, I had opted out just because that was when COVID first started. So um, I was, to be honest, I wasn't interested in having one, but I'm glad that we was able to come back and play those two games because um, I think that was important for me. That was my first time playing with this team. And uh, kind of what I talked about in JUCO is like earning your trust with your coaches. So I was glad I got to show like what I could do in those two games. So it kind of propelled me for the next season. 
Well, you hit the ground running this year, to say the least, man. But before we get into all the personal accolades and accomplishments you've had, looking as as a team, and you guys make a quarterfinal run in the playoffs, a solid season, top three in the Big Sky again, which is one of the toughest conferences for you. What were your final takeaways on the 2021 season? Um, I was just talking to somebody the other day about this. At first, it was kind of disappointing i would say because i'm like the whole the whole year we had high hopes for a championship and i definitely thought we were a championship caliber team uh, ultimately it came down to like us being injured and not just like simple injuries like really key injuries like starting receivers start we down we're playing a uh, receivers at running back you know our starting quarterback goes down so stuff like that but i also do look at it in a positive light i'm like we beat two rivalry games we won the cup at idaho we beat montana state we had a revenge game against Eastern Washington, the playoffs that we won. We beat a ranked uh, Washington team. So I'm like, this things we we did this season that we could build off of for sure. Um, I think the, the, the main goal for us is a definitely a championship. Absolutely. And I mean, the, you mentioned the Washington win. Um, huge. We had, we had Patrick O'Connell on here, man. And he talked about how big that was just for you guys. But I want to talk about one moment, man. You had the game ceiling interception in your guys' playoff win over Eastern Washington against one of the better quarterbacks in the FCS and Eric Berrier. Walk me through your emotions running up the sideline, knowing you guys were advancing on your play that you, you intercepted it and ran it all the way back. And, uh, that, that play was like, an amazing feeling and it was even better because um I really wanted to play them like like very bad and I had called like a lot of my people back home and like to be honest like I was close to praying that we played them because I hated the way the last game went and um I knew there was a matchup for me out there especially with that talent of a quarterback I, I have hats off respect for him he's a great um talent but Definitely being able to have the game still and pick was amazing feeling, especially because um, I actually got two calf cramps like a couple plays before that, which was the crazy thing. And the only reason I had ended up being on the field that for that play is because the next play, two two of our other corners go down. So, like, I felt like I had no choice but to go back in and that play ended up happening. So it felt even better um, for that to happen and just to help our team win. Absolutely. I think you could, I think you saw the emotion if you go watch the replay of all of you guys just come out <laughs> at the end when you hit the end zone. And it also gave you the record for the most interceptions in Big Sky history, I think since 1996, which was the year I was born. So a long time ago was, was when that record was set. But another big accolade, man, you had a Buck Buchanan Award finalist, top five. Montana had two of the top four finalists in the country. What did that mean to you? Um, I mean, that meant a lot, to be honest. Um, I think we both were well-deserving. I think the winner definitely was well-deserving. He had a great season uh, to himself. But to have two players on the same team fighting for award is, I think, is nuts, to be honest. I think we have more players that can be on there, to be honest. Um, I love playing for this defense, and I think we have a lot of parts that, like, flow into each other. So I'm excited about that. And one of your staples, man, this year, you had an eight-game interception streak this season, which I, I don't think people re really understand. Like Some guys don't get eight picks in a career in, in college football, and you had eight in a row this year. What were the keys to that, man? In the right place, right time? What, what, like talk, talk about how you put that streak together. Um, to be honest, it, a, a couple of them were definitely a right place, right time. I think a lot of it was for sure film. I'm like some of the plays, like I've seen them coming before they they were gonna happen type of thing. And 
um, eight to eight and straight, you definitely need some luck on your side. I don't think um, that would happen again anytime soon. Um, definitely probably would happen. Um, the most impressive thing, though, is for me, it wasn't even the picks, but like even when the game I didn't catch a pick, I had a touchdown. And then I had a pick again. So, like, for me, it was 10 straight games of, like, either a pick or a touchdown. And that's, like, the craziest thing to me because that's, like, every game was sitting back, like, dang, like, this is another one. So, it was kind of surreal for me. Like, my teammates are coming to me, like, surprised, and I'm telling them I'm just a shock. I'm not, like, shocked in, like, my talent type of thing, but, like, there's still 10 straight weeks. Like, that's that's a big thing to happen. So, I was just as shocked as they were. I mean, I, I, I've i been covering college football for a while, watching it my whole life. I cannot think of another player that even had a streak close to that on the defensive side of the ball. But you mentioned the defense, man. We've mentioned Patrick O'Connell yourself. You guys, I think, have like six or seven different All-Americans on that defense at all levels. For you, what makes that defense so special? Um, The hunger and definitely the chase of the ball. I'm like, any defense you play on, um, at any level, like if you watch any level of football, you could tell good defense from a bad defense of how they chase the ball. So I'm like, it's not like we don't make mistakes, but when you have 11 guys running to the ball, say one guy misses it and you got 10 like right there to clean it up. So I'm like, we do make mistakes, but when you fly around and you give effort to the ball, um, it doesn't show as much. And I think we do a great job of that. We wasn't perfect uh, by no means, but like the hunger and like the will to be better and the fact that it comes from different parts of the team is like we all are connected. So like even the second group is in tune with each other. We don't want to give up no points. So that's just how it went. In some games, you got starters begging to stay in the game just so that we don't give up any points. Like that's the kind of hunger we had on our team. I think it was like week eight or nine. You guys were only giving up like seven points a game still. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you guys had a brutal schedule as well playing in the big sky. But one of the coaches that I, I know you know him very well, DB coach Ronnie Bradford, man. He's an accomplished DB coach, but has been all over the league, college football, had success everywhere. What makes him such a successful coach? And what is his coaching style like behind the scenes? Um, For me personally, I think, what makes him a successful coach is just like his ability to relate to us. I'm um, like, he's, he's played the game um, 10 plus years in the NFL. He's coached it for a long time. So like he's seen things. And to be honest, there's some things that I, I pride myself in knowing a lot of football, but like there's some things that he tells me and like, it ends up happening. Like he got, and he draws on the board like, and they throw a fade and hit here. And then in the game, they'll throw a fade and it hits exactly the marker. He pointed like stuff like that. that I don't even know how, he does that, but like as a as a coach uh, behind the scenes, I'll say um, he's he's hard on us for sure, and I appreciate that more than anything. I think um, there's always room for improvement, so I'd rather you tell me a um, hundred things I did wrong than a hundred things I did right. I'm like everybody knows when they do good type of thing, you know what I'm saying? So I like the fact that he points us in the right direction, or like what what is there to do to get better instead of like blowing up, filling our head with smoke type of thing. I like it, man. I like it. And I, he's, a, he's a key to why you guys were so successful this year. I believe y'all finished with a top five defense in the country this year, which is an outstanding mark. But to get to know you a little bit better as a player and how you see yourself, which NFL defensive back do you model your game after the most? Uh, Jalen Ramsey, 100%. Easy. Well, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say 100 because I, I like Marcus Peters a lot. And I think that's uh, kind of what helped me 
this year with some of the interceptions. Like I said, it's just no one film. And, like, some things people don't see because Marcus Peters, he gets beat uh, sometimes. But, like, he's extremely smart. And he, like, he knows when to take his chances. And you don't get 25 picks in three seasons by not, like, knowing the game of football. So, um, those two DBs, really, I like – I've watched Marshawn Lattimore a little bit. But he's not really my style of play, I think. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is physical. I think I'm mad. And then um, Marcus Peters likes to go get the ball, and that's who I watch. Those are two. And the confidence, too, man. Both of those guys are not mm-hmm. afraid to let you know you know, that they're, they're the guy on the field. But you don't have to give away all your secrets, man, because I know quarterbacks in the big sky are going to be watching this underneath the table trying to get some <laughs> advantage. But um, what's the number one mistake a wide receiver can make one-on-one against you? Um thinking he has an advantage on me. I think I think I always have the upper hand in, in uh, our battle. And the more the more you uh show your hand or kind of think that you got one up, I think I'm I'm definitely coming after you. And that's just kind of how I play. I play with a chip on my shoulder. So I kind of start the trash talking hoping you'll bring it back because I know that's gonna like elevate my game as well. So um I like playing on the opposite team sideline. Um, I'd like to talk a lot of trash. So I think that's honestly why I get a lot of targets is because who's going to let a guy on your sideline talk trash to you and not throw the ball type of thing. <laughs> hey, you got to bait them into it, man. After after uh-huh. after you intercepted eight passes in a row, if I'm the game plan against you, I'm throwing on the other side of the field every time. We're, we're flipping the play depending <laughs> on what side you line up on. No way I'm, I'm throwing at you. I'm like unless unless I'm sitting over there talking a lot of trash though I feel like you will want to be want to prove me wrong type of thing so um, I think it works I, that's that's kind of the only secret I give out I I do that time to time because I, I definitely think it works and as a competitor I know coaches like to compete so if I'm over there talking a lot of trash you you definitely want to shut me up. I love it, man. That that's the best answer I've got on that one. That that's what you said. I gotta gotta let them know I'm over here, man. But for you, how do you get ready for game day, man? Are you real superstitious? Have your whole pregame routine planned out, or you just go out there and play? Uh, I'm not real superstitious. I got one thing. Only really this season. I only started this season. Um, I have a select few artists I play. Um, this year I ended up playing a song. Is the last song I play every time I go out. And it just so happens I caught a pick every game. So, like, I, st- I just kept doing it. Um, it's called AA by Shy Glizzy. But other than that, I don't have, like, no real routine. I just got to make sure I feel like myself. So, like, I do things my way. I wake up, uh, I always take a shower immediately, um, go to the facility, and then just kind of just go with the flow. As a, like, if I'm feeling like working out before the game, I'll go do it. If I feel like stretching before the game, I'll go do it. I just make sure whatever I want to do, I make sure I get it done so I can feel the best way. Hey man, I like, and I'm so glad you said that because I, when I played, I had to listen to the same like three songs before mm-hmm. I went out. If I didn't, I felt completely off for the game. So <laughs> I appreciate you making me look look, look sane because I've never had a player uh, like on the show say he did that as well. But you you beat me to the question, man. I was going to ask if you were a trash talker, but outside of yourself, who on the team is the next biggest trash talker and can kind of give you a run for your money? Uh, there's a lot. There's a <laughs> lot. Um. Oh, actually, I'll go Robbie, Robbie Hawk, our safety, because uh, sometimes I gotta, I gotta bring him down like a level, and I'm up there, but he definitely, <laughs> he definitely gets at it. Um, he talks to a lot of <laughs> opponents, especially in the bigger games. Um, he lets them know he's here, and it's, and it's, he's actually usually the smallest guy on the field, but he's, his presence is always felt, and I love that about Robbie. So I'll put him up there. 
I uh, love it, man. Love it. So uh, I'll, we'll have to give the offense a little bit of praise here, man. Going back, this could be at Louisville, Juco, or at Montana. Who are some of the best offensive players you've had to face? Um, Off the rip, I'll have to go with Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. Um, He now plays for the Tennessee Titans. He kind of opened my eye. I, I guard a lot of gr- great receivers, I would say. I'm guarding some receivers that's also on NFL, but like his – um, way to change speed at 6'3 was like cut really different for me. Like I've guarded bigger receivers, but you know, bigger receivers, they can't move or they're slower than other receivers. But like he had the whole package and you like, I think he ran a 4'3 at his combine. So like guarding him every day was like, okay, like you got to be ready type of thing. Um, so I'll give him his praise. And the only, re- I respect, I respect every talent um, I play, but the only receiver I actually say, like it was a real battle was JMU. And I think part of that was because we were running zone against them, being like depleted type of thing. But I feel like I think he had like 70 yards still. So I'm like, he didn't have a touchdown, nothing like that. But I think he's the one that like actually like I was like, okay, like this is this is a guy like this is a dude type of thing. So I'll give those two players. Yeah, I think that I think that was Antoine Antoine Wells. I, I I think he's at South Carolina now. Yeah, yeah, he commit. He just committed to South Carolina. I was about to say, I know we transferred to the SEC. He's going to do big things over there, man. Great, yeah, great wide receiver. That's a good talent for sure. Respect him. And I'm glad you shout out Des too. I covered that Senior Bowl. He won the MVP at man, and he had every scout in the building just out. They were like, I, I don't know where this mm-hmm. kid came from, and he shocked everybody. You know, he got tools in his toolbox, and I'm like, when I was guarding him, I knew he was fast, but he ran a four three as well, helped himself out, so. I think it was a 4-3. It might have been a 4-4 four, four or something like that. Either way, the guy's he's fast. He's fast. It, it don't yeah. matter. He's fast and he's big, man, because I stood next to him and I was like, man, this is he, – he, he's, mm-hmm. he's moving for his size. But I, I know I know what it is in that Montana stadium, man. One of the loudest – I mean, you guys are top five every year in FCS attendance. But outside of Montana, who had the best environment this year? That would, I'm going to flat out say nobody compared to ours. But I'll give Eastern Washington a lift only because I think they showed out more because we played them on ESPN. So I think they definitely had a crowd. It it probably looked more um, crazy because they had all black. And I think their seats is black, too. So, like, it just looked like there was a ton of people out there. It was loud. And it was a close game. So, like, the whole environment just felt, like, intense the whole time which was perfect, Um, which is why the second game, I think our crowd was definitely ready for them. And it made that game even more special. So the first game, I'll give Eastern Washington um, was probably the second best place we played it other than Washington Grizzly. Oh, man, the, the, the Grizz fans are different. I mean, both different. Montana schools are, are – I didn't know. I mean, I covered FCS. I picked against you guys in the first Eastern Washington game, and I had so many Montana fans come for me. They were like, <laughs> you're going to see. You're going to see. And I was like, all right, all right. I had to do a Montana apologies t- tour when, when you guys came out on top, man. But, you know, you got one more year, man. If you can play matchmaker, who is one FCS team you want to play before graduating? Um, North Dakota State for sure. Um, oh, I think I, I would love that one. Yeah, I think everybody. I'm like not thanks, but they obviously just won the uh, championship. So I'm like that's the biggest stage, and I always want to play against the best opponents and just um put myself against the test and see where I'm at. So that's definitely a team that I want to face. Um, not that like I'm picking that team like as if that's the only team. I'm like I like 
every yeah. team we play is another opportunity to be great. So, but if there was one team that I personally got to choose, it would be that team just because they won the championship. And I think we're a championship caliber team. Hey, playoffs this year, man, it, all, it could always happen. I mean, you guys were on the same side of the bracket last year, so you never know. And, you know, your last season, I mean, you announced you're going to come back for one more year for the Grizz, man. For you, what are your personal goals for the 2022 season? Um, Personally, I just want to I just want to be the best uh, version of myself. I think this year the interceptions were great. Um, I think they will continue to happen, to be honest. It might not they might not come in nine or like three touchdowns or whatever. But um, as long as I'm locking up and doing my job, I just want to be a big part of us winning the national championship. And that's kind of why I came back. I think there's unfinished business here. And maybe if we won a national championship, I wouldn't I wouldn't still be here, to be honest. I'd probably feel more accomplished with myself. But um, I definitely think there's more food on the table for us. And that's like the biggest goal is definitely, first off, we got to win the big sky, um, obviously, and then win a national championship. But personally, just clean up a couple things. To, uh, this year, I gave up two touchdowns. Before this year, I've never given up a touchdown. So that's something big to me. Like those two touchdowns still haunt me to this day, to be honest. Like I still think about things I should have done differently. So that's one thing I want to clean up, just, just be more um, tuned in like my technique and stuff. Man, if you guys want to hear a real competitor, this guy just said his whole life, never giving up a touchdown, gave up two, and it's haunting him. That That's how you know he's going to go to the next level. And that's that's the last question, man. You know, next year, the FCS has slowly saw 21 players get invited to the combine, and a lot of players are going to get drafted. I'm expecting Justin Ford to be on my ESPN screen two Aprils from now, man, when he declared for the draft next year. For you, if an NFL franchise asks you what they're going to get in Justin Ford, what do you tell them? Um, a competitor. Um, definitely, I feel like I'm an elite talent and I'm a hard worker. I'm like, the, the thing just, it just doesn't stop. Like, it's not like I get um, a couple accolades and I just stop there. Like, I'm focused on, like, what's next type of thing. That's what drives me. So, um, definitely at that level, it's not like I'm going to get there and get paid and, and chill. Like, that's not my type of thing. I want to go there and be the best. Like, that's honestly what I want to do everywhere. Like, I just want to be the best player at my position or be the best version of myself. So, that's what you'll get as a hard worker, somebody that's dedicated to the sport. Like, this is what I love. This is what I love to do. So, Hey, man, you were the best the best this year, man, statistically and everything like that and on film, man. So congrats on a great year, man. I know you guys are reloaded next year. I mean, there, there's a chance Montana puts two people in the final three for the Buck Buchanan with you and, and Patrick both coming back, man. But this is all about supporting the players, and we appreciate you coming on the show, man. So any any app, any you know NIL deals, social media shout-outs, family shout-outs, man, this time is yours. Uh, for sure. I for sure shout out my uh, family. You know, we got the NIL here. Body armor stays on me. Um, that's about it. I just want to shout out my teammates, of course. You know what I'm saying? I can't do what I do without them. So that's about it. Man, guys, go follow Justin. Listen, it, you're not going to get a better DB play than this guy right here, man. One of my favorite players to watch this year. Again, man, congrats on the season. But, guys, follow Justin on all social media. Follow his his, his attempt, man, at a national championship next year and a Big Sky championship. But, guys, for Justin, myself, and the Blue Bloods, we are out for right now. Sure.